Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Aguilar, Sarah is the Senior Director of Operations for Austin Pets Alive. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and hearing some of your story. Uh, I've, I've had the great opportunity to, to work with you already and, and I've been excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, first of all, can you tell everyone a little bit about your role, but also 
um, here's your chance to tell listeners about Austin Pets Alive as well. I will take every chance I get to talk about this organization. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm currently the Senior Director of Operations at Austin Pets Alive, as you mentioned. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit based in Austin, Texas, uh, in the United States. And we um, are sort of the, the last chance for a lot of animals uh, across the state who are in shelters on uh, euthanasia deadlines. We pilot some really groundbreaking um, programs uh, to treat medical and behavioral issues, um, to give pets a chance that they won't get in some of our other under-resourced areas around the state. Um, many of the partner shelters we work with have uh, maybe, you know, like 10 or 12 kennels. They're outdoors. They're not climate controlled. They have one staff member. They have no veterinarian or medical budget. And so we are um, taking in animals that would other by, otherwise be euthanized in those uh, shelters and giving them a chance at a loving, happy family. Um, what I'm doing here is um, oversight of all of the, the operations, and that is everything from uh, being involved in strategic planning and donor management, philanthropy, things like that, marketing, um, down to our day-to-day -day care of, of the animals that are in our kennels. And... Um, connecting and supporting with our volunteers and our foster network. Uh, running a facility, well, an organization of this size, we take in about 10,000 animals a year and roughly 80% of those are able to uh, live in foster homes instead of in the shelter environment. And um, we, it's, it's just a lot of moving pieces, <laughs> a lot of things to keep track of yeah. between people management and animal care and medical. And uh, there's a lot of things happening, a lot of different hats, I guess. Yeah. And it, it's often, um, I think it's, it's, it can often be like that in, uh, in nonprofits. I think it's one of the biggest challenges for me uh, when, I, when I work and when I watch a lot of nonprofits is that um, it's hard because I think what you're doing is some of the most important work. I, I love animals uh myself so much and i just you know my heart breaks for um yeah for just a lot of the different uh problems uh and a lot of the you know horrible things that happen to animals around the world and so when i when i come across an organization like yours i just love what you're doing but it does mean you're often um you know wearing multiple hats and uh, and so we can find out a bit more about that with your story uh, let's jump into your story. I want to start by getting you to look back at your childhood and growing up. What were some of the moments that really shaped you, Sarah, into the person and leader you are today? Um, I was really thinking about this in the last two minutes since you prompted me with this question. <laughs> um, you know, I was raised, uh, my parents, I had a pretty traditional family. Um, I was a single child. I was adopted and my parents were divorced, uh, when I was like sixth grade. So roughly middle school. And, um, for my mom, that had been her second divorce. And she really, uh, instilled in me this don't ever rely on anybody kind of a mentality, like a figure it out, solve the problem yourself yeah. type of uh, work ethic, I guess, or independence really. And so I think that's driven a lot of who I've become uh, as an adult and, and a lot of my success really at work has been, you know what, don't, 
don't wait for somebody else to do it. If something needs to be done, get it done, figure out how, solve the problem, work through things. Um, instead of sort of getting paralyzed by fear or the unknown, um, it's, it's always been a head into it and figure it out. Um, and then I was thinking too about, uh, the other side, my dad, my dad was very much a, a sports guy. And so he, he was a coach of, of little league teams, um, some of my teams. And then, um, as I got older, he continued to coach kids. And so not only was there the, the influence of seeing my, my dad as a, a leader and a coach and a decision maker and, you know, coordinator and motivator and, and all of those things. But there was also the just participating in these team sports where you had to work with people, you had to communicate, you had to um, strategize. And so I th that balance of having that real independent solve the problem streak with the you have to work with other people to get things done side has has really influenced who I am as a leader and, and in my personal life and my work life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I can hear how that um how that whole context has really shaped shaped uh, who you are. What about first leadership opportunities. Do you remember thinking back one of the first times you really think you, you had a chance to to lead a project or be in a leadership role in, in something team related like a sport or to cast vision or have people reporting to you? When, when was that first or one of the first leadership opportunities you had? Um, looking back, I would say it was probably like first grade. <laughs> Uh, it was these <laughs> self-appointed, let me show you how to do things yep. to which, you know, at that time it was uh, mind your own business. <laughs> Don't boss people around. <laughs> um, but really that was, I, I had a lot of that <laughs> as a child. <laughs> so, it, like, uh, When was what... I officially put in that capacity? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I was a, a captain on uh, many soccer teams and um, throughout the years. And so I, I would say it would, it would definitely be either captaining a team or, um, you know, like leading a, a project, a group project at school. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and <laughs> I love the grade one. Uh, <laughs> thinking back to grade one and going, well, I probably was uh, a self-appointed leader in grade one. I don't know if it was necessarily that popular <laughs> to be like that, but no, that's great because there are often the seeds of some of that courage and confidence is often there in childhood. So I love that. Love that answer. Um, so tell us a bit about your journey out of school and, you know, from different roles you've had to, to now. Give us a bit of the snapshot of, of Sarah's journey. Um, oh gosh. So, um, I started working when I was 14, um, while going to school and I, I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, and so even like my very first jobs, it was how do, how do I get employee of the month and how do I make the, the, um, the customers, like, how do I make, how do I become their favorite staff member? And, <laughs> um, you know, a little bit probably of being an only child and being a little bit of a attention sort of monger, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I worked in food service and food service related organizations from 14 until gosh, into my 30s, um, everything from washing dishes to uh, being a regional training manager. Um, 
of a national restaurant organization. So this huge variety of things. And I have always wanted to learn something else, do something else. Um, I'm very much a, uh, routines are really hard for me. And so it's, it's constantly, what else can I do? How can I change this? How can I do something else, learn something, et cetera. Um, in my uh, early 20s, yeah, so when I was 20 years old, I was working at a restaurant, um, a national chain, and they wanted to put me into management, but because the facility had a bar, I couldn't be a manager until I was 21 because you have to be able to cover for the bartenders and things. And so um, there's just always, I've always had that, like, I don't know if you call it a, a knack or just a tendency to to move into leadership roles. I've always been a trainer um, for organizations. Mm. Um, I moved from uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, of the United States down to California when I was 24 years old to go run a restaurant on the beach in California, which is like every, you know, young 20 somethings dream. <laughs> and, uh, love living in California. Uh, it was really a experience moving states by myself at that age. And um, worked for that company, ran a couple organizations, trained a bunch of managers, um, worked. It was actually that was one of the first times that I ever really experience like additional perks of being really good at a job. Um, and I, I never had really worked for an organization where there was like bonuses or things like that. And so with this organization, I actually um, was able to like go on a trip that was company paid for, like a cruise in the Bahamas, like, you know, and, and really enjoyed that work. And when I was Gosh, when I was in my later 20s, I realized that restaurant work or food and service industry work um, wasn't very meaningful to my soul. And that ultimately I wasn't important to the organization because it would just keep on going whether I was there or not. And so I dialed way back from management and, you know, 70 hour weeks. And I went back to bartending and a flexible schedule and um, ended up leaving that big organization. And I went to a small mom and pop facility where I could have more impact. And that still kind of wasn't it. And then um, in 2011, I was in this horrific car accident and this you know, is not necessarily leadership, you know, work experience, whatever, but it, it's no, definitely no, no. another piece of yeah, yeah, that shaped yeah. who I am. Yeah, go for it. Um, so in 2011, I was on my way home from work and had a blowout tire and was on the, the interstate, on the side of the interstate, and another person stopped to help me. We were out of the car, we were getting some flares and um, another car came along and ran into both of our cars instead of going around. And um, uh, I ended up hospitalized for, gosh, about, it was about six weeks um, with broken everythings. Um, and when I was in the hospital, um, I think, nurses and things they when people are go through these massive traumatic incidents and they have um you know loss of of physical capabilities to some degree and they have to you know uh they're unable to walk for a while and they have to have a feeding tube and you know all of these things that they tend to the medical professionals tend to see people have a pretty um sort of sad attitude about things. You know, you, you are the victim of this traumatic incident and you've potentially lost things in, in your life and, 
things have changed forever. And, and so it's very easy to, to struggle with adapting to that. And, um, during that experience, I just, I just remember I kept telling them like, well, I'm alive, must be something I'm meant to do in the world. And, um, I, I remember, uh, the doctors just being like, I can't believe that you have this attitude. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> when I, I got out of the hospital, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just saying that's, in, that's incredible. I like, actually, I'm really interested to know how, how did you do that? Because that is uncommon to be able to go through that and have such a positive attitude. I mean, I wasn't dead. Like literally that was it. I, I should have been. And to come out of it and be like, ah, well, I'm not dead. That like, there's a reason. And I'm not a, a real spiritual or religious person. And um, this is, you know, not the place to have that conversation anyway, but I don't, I, I just feel like there's something I needed to do. You know, I, I didn't die for a reason. I should have been dead. They thought I was. You know, wow. at some point um, during the initial trauma surgery, I flatlined. Like I should, oh. I shouldn't, in all things, be here, but I am. And yeah. so, just being gracious and thankful, and and saying, "All right, like I have this other chance. What am I going to do with it?" Wow. And you know, it took a while to figure that out. Um, I had some. Uh, there was about two years following the accident where I, I couldn't work and I was pretty mobile, um, but I couldn't stand for very long and I couldn't sit for very long and just had a lot of um, mobility challenges. And I was just at home with space and I thought, you know what? I have two dogs. I have all this space. I'm going to foster. And so I started fostering dogs and it instantly was like this, this soul changing moment of, aha, this, this is what you're meant to do. You know, it was like fulfilling and productive and it was both kind of independent as well as team. And it was like this balance of all of the things I think I just had been looking for forever. And, you know, I, I look back and I think, oh, I remember my dad bringing home stray dogs from the airport where he worked. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm sure that played some part in that as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I started fostering and I just was like, all right. And I did this for two years. I ended up, um, as the COO for the, the rescue organization um, and doubled their intake, got them uh, to a financially stable position. And all of that was volunteer led. And about the time that it was time for me to go back to work, I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for work? And didn't really realize that there was ways to make, to like get paid doing this work. And it just so happened that where we lived in California, the uh, local government animal shelter was hiring their first ever foster coordinator. And it was everything that I had been doing for free for a rescue. And I was just like, I get to work for the government. I get a pension. I get, <laughs> uh, I get to do the work that I love and get paid for it. This is like the best thing ever. And within, gosh, I don't know, it was probably six months and I was, I was sort of fumbling in the job and, uh, my, the leadership at that organization was very much, oh, just, just do stuff, go figure it out. And I didn't really have goals and I didn't really have, um, I had like decision-making ability, but not any kind of guidelines as to what might fit within what we're doing. Like, what could I do? What couldn't I do? It was very 
weird. And I, I imagine there's people all over saying, gosh, I wish I had that opportunity. Um, I wish I had a boss like that. But for me, it, it was it was terrible. Uh, it was a real challenge. And I had an opportunity to travel to Texas and to come to Austin to the organization where I work now back in 2015, I think. And to see what they were doing here. And it was like another light bulb moment in my life where I went, aha, this is how things should run. This is how organizations should be working together. This is why playgroups or foster and all these different like animal specific programs are so important and how they all work together. And I went back to my shelter in California and I blew up like in a good way. I exploded the, the foster program there into a, so we were housing more animals in foster than we were in the shelter and nobody there had really been prepared for that. And I looked around, you know, a year or so later, I'm looking around and the, the leadership at that shelter wasn't going anywhere and opportunities for advancement were pretty small. And, and so not only was my career kind of capped out there, but also the impact that I could make, um, that shelter was never going to go on to teach another shelter how to do something. Um, I had looked at when I had been doing rescue, I'd been to so many shelters that were under-resourced and just didn't have anything. And in my role, I wasn't in a place to be able to help them. And so I started looking for something bigger and moved to Tucson, Arizona as the deputy director of a large municipal shelter there. So the deputy director is like the assistant director there. And learned a ton about government and uh, animal officers that are out in the field doing protection work and um, really expanded the, the breadth of knowledge I had in the field. And during that time, I started having the opportunity to come to Austin and to teach other people um, some of the things that I had known or experienced or learned. Um, and in, there was a brief side moment of 2020, which is like everybody's weird blip and, you know, uh, 2020, <laughs> where I worked for a, a, a national philanthropy nonprofit and worked from home and it was probably the second worst work experience of my life. Um, not because of the organization by any means, but just I learned that I am not a sit at home on the computer person. Um, I had great pay. I had great flexibility in my schedule. I was at home all day and I was completely unhappy. And it's another one of those where I, I can hear people saying, oh my gosh, that's my dream. I can't believe that you were unhappy, but um, I really learned like I have I have to be hands on. Um, I have to be in operations. It it's part of what fulfills me and makes me feel useful. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's valid. Yeah, and then so about that time that I was reaching my total burnout of this job I didn't love. Um, I, uh, Austin Pets Alive was looking for, uh, a senior director of operations and it was really this full circle moment, um, connecting back to 2015 and the first time I came here and to be able to have the opportunity to now be leading an organization that was so influential early in my career has been absolutely a dream come true. Yeah, that's, um, and so now it's incredible. Sorry, keep going. I was going to say, so now I have my goal now is to, is to start creating the opportunities for other people to 
to have the a similar journey to what I had through this this industry to move up quickly to uh, have exposure to as many aspects of it as possible because we have a shortage of of good leaders in this field and it it really is like I said it's really been just full circle. Yeah, well, one thing I want to ask you is what advice would you give to people who are listening who uh, hear you talk about how much you love, like the aha moments about doing what you're doing, not only the field you're in, but also the type of role you're in. What advice would you give to people who, who maybe are reflecting and going, I don't know if I'm in the field that really I'm most passionate about? Well, yeah, what advice would you give them? You know, I think one of the challenges for folks is I don't want to jump out of my job that's comfortable to try something else that may not work. So I would say if you think potentially you're not in the right place, whether it's the right business, um, uh, the right type of work, the right industry, the right even position within it, I, I highly encourage people to start volunteering and checking out other things. Um, if I hadn't started fostering, I probably would have gone back to restaurant work. Um, I also have an accounting degree, so I probably would have landed at some kind of CPA job or controller of a business. And I would have been miserable because I would have been sitting at a computer. Um, so or volunteering whether it's, you know, at, uh, through social service organizations or environmental organizations or children's, there's just so many opportunities and so many nonprofits out there doing amazing work that need help. And they need help with everything from marketing and design to videography to actual like work, planting trees or you know, there's just so much stuff. So I think that people miss, uh, sorry, I think they underestimate the opportunities of what they could be experiencing and the different things they could be, be trying out. Um, so that would be number one. Mm -hmm. And then my, <laughs> my, sort of like the type of work, like doing office work aha moment really was just figuring out like, I'm miserable at my job. Like what about my job is it? And trying to narrow down, is it the content of the work? Is it your, the leadership structure? Is it that the, t the amount of time that you're spending at a computer or, or maybe Conversely, it's the amount of time that you're spending away from a computer. Um, you know, I, I, I realized during that time that I was, I was very negative and I was blaming kind of the leadership over the organization and just kind of fell into this like negative Nancy type of, of attitude. And, and I had to take a step back from that and and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? What is it really? And doing that self-reflection can be really hard, especially if you're um, emotionally uh, caught up in, in yeah. your discontent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that's, that's, uh, that, that makes so much sense. What about great leaders along the way? Are there any moments that spring to mind where you've learned from other leaders or other people close or far off uh, that have really inspired you as a leader? Uh, <laughs> when I was, gosh, 18 or 19, uh, working at a restaurant and my, I was like a, a waiter, a waitress, and the general manager of the restaurant, who, you know, is like three levels higher than me or something. I couldn't stand him. And I, I 
remember writing like lists of all the things that I would do differently when I was in charge. And I, I remember the day I set my mind and I said, I'm going to be this guy's boss one day and I'm going to tell him what to do because I, I can't stand anything about how he operates. And, uh, you know, it turned out that that drive actually brought he and I closer together and he ended up being like my first real business mentor. And I learned so much from him, um, very early, you know, I was early twenties and I learned so much from him about data and organization and, um, follow through and accountability and systems and processes. And I, I just learned so much from him. Um, and I, I guarantee if you would have told, you know, 18 year old me, that guy is going to be like your first mentor, I would have laughed you off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But, uh, what, what was it about him that, um, that you clashed with so much initially? and ended up being, uh, having such a great relationship? Um, I think it was just a real challenge to my, my independence and my, um, I tend to have an, an overconfidence about my decision-making and he would call me on stuff all the time. And, you know, I just didn't like it. <laughs> I was young and cocky and, uh, you know, didn't really appreciate somebody telling me I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't blame you. I, I think um, a lot of, a lot of uh, people, including me, I think I can relate to, uh, you know, you love the idea of feedback. Oh, yeah, you know, I really want to learn. And then you get feedback, particularly as a young leader, and you get so defensive and it's so... Yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely something I think everyone has to grow in. Uh, what about aha moments for you as a leader? So, are there any moments that spring to mind that are ingrained in your memory because of a win you had, um, or with the team, or a decision that you made, or someone around you made, or a mistake? Like a leadership lesson aha moment in your career so far that that sort of springs to mind. Yeah, I. I'm going to give you two because one's going to tie back to what we were just talking about. So when I was farther into my career and I looked back at, at this, this particular individual who had, had been such a positive influence, I was able to realize that part of what worked, um, why, why that ended up being successful was he was able to, recognize something in me and to be able to shift the way that he was interacting in that relationship and to um, provide me opportunities to improve and to learn. And so I, I try to do that now when I have people that are particularly challenging, employees that are particularly challenging, I try to say, okay, how can I shift what I'm doing to create an opportunity for this person to love their work or to be heard or to have control over a project or something um, and, and create opportunities for growth? I think all too often we give up on people and we're, we're quick to say like, nope, you're, you're a, a trouble child and, and I don't have capacity for that. Um, mm. and then, you know, really one of the, my most recent aha moment has actually been through our conversations and through working genius. And, um, I, I'm a, I have a very strong discernment <laughs> and could not understand, like didn't have the language, I think, to talk about what was going on in my head and how I was interacting with people. And like, I knew I was a whole poker, you know, people would bring ideas and I'd be like, well, what about this and whole poke and what about that? And that's not going to work. And, and this is great. 
Um, but what really uh, was enlightening for me was that realization that there are times when that is not productive and really ticks people off. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> when you're in the, the final stages of something, it's not the time to be to be poking holes at what they did three months ago. And knowing that that's, that's a real thing. It's not just a, a Sarah thing, but that's a real thing that there are multiple people experience and learned and that there was language for it. And there was to listen to, to somebody describe that's what I do. And this is what it looks like. And this is when it's appropriate. And this is when it's not. And this is what makes people crazy. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's all the things I do that. I get it. I understand why people get so frustrated with me. Um, and it's really, it's, it's created the opportunity for me to acknowledge that I do that and create the space for my teams to call me on it and say, this is not the time for that. And instead of them just being frustrated and we, we all now understand that that's what I'm doing and that's the way my brain works and that there are times when it's not appropriate and it's absolutely okay to say that. And so having that, the, the, I, I just keep saying the language around it, having the ability to explain it to someone and to self-acknowledge it and create the, the space for other people to acknowledge it in you. It was, it was really impactful, um, and shifted, uh, a lot of communication, um, for the better within our, our teams. Yeah, that, that's so good. I love that you shared that because I think that's been a, a big aha moment for me as well. Uh, because I mean, my number one working genius, um, which I highly recommend anyone listening to go and check it out. It's, it's such a great framework or, you know, assessment to understand yourself and, and how you get things done. Uh, my number one is wonder. And I realized, what, and wonder sits right at the top. Like wonder is before we even invent something, we question things. And when I realized that, I went, oh my goodness, how annoying have I been without realizing it? Cause I was operating in my sweet spot, <laughs> just like you said, it's like discernment isn't necessarily the right thing at the last minute when you're about to, you know, launch something and you just need to, you know, land the plane. But wonder is even more frustrating. And I realized, Oh my goodness, I have done that so many times, uh, not only in work, but in life. I think of my wife, Liz, and just how often we need to be in tenacity mode, getting something done. And Jono's in wonderland. And, um, and it, I found that so helpful as well. So that really resonates with me just going and having that awareness is so, uh, liberating because it, it's like, it just gives you a handle to go, am I, wait a second, am I automatically going to discernment? Cause that's my sweet spot or for me, am I automatically going to wonder and questioning and seeing potential when right now that's, it's actually not the time for that. And I need to purposefully switch modes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we, as we wrap up, Sarah, I've got a few Leadership Express questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, all right. Is this like hot potato? Yeah, yeah, hot potato. Love it. <laughs> Maybe I should uh, re recall it <laughs> Leadership Potato or Leadership Hot Potato. Um, I like hot potato. Leadership Potato. <laughs> leadership Potato. I think that's going to catch on. I think that's definitely the, the uh, a, a runner for an alternative name. Uh, hot potato. Love it. Leadership Express. First question. What is a book that you've gifted to other people or recommended a lot to other people? Oh, gosh. Um, I used to recommend a lot. Uh, the Speed of Trust. Yes. Which is probably now considered an old school business book, but um no speed I, of trust let's go i love that as a recommendation that speed of trust is that covey maybe speed uh yeah yeah I, I the reason i love that is it's funny how these things um 
like like trust comes up so often even on the podcast when i'm chatting with leaders it's like what what does it all come back to and people will talk about trust so it, sometimes the old old uh, sort of uh, older books ring true so no speed of trust that's a great recommendation yeah, What's yeah the... and then i'm going to give you a industry, oh, yeah. hold on i'm going to give you an industry specific one in case anybody is interested in um learning yes please uh, about animal things going on in the animal world there's a book called my dog eats first um which is uh all about um per, people who are experiencing homelessness and taking better care of their pets than they are themselves and uh really highlights uh at least in the united states a lot of what's what's happening with uh, mass evictions and and people experiencing homelessness and losing their stability and um, how they are often judged uh, as not sufficient. Uh, they're not good enough to be pet owners and really kind of flips that on its, on its back. Yeah. Um, great recommendation. What was the title again? My dog eats first. My dog eats first. Um, I like that as well uh, because it's like a, um, there's a really popular leadership book at the moment called leaders eat last. Um, and so it's like, <laughs> it's, it's almost like a, um, uh, the, the sort of, yeah, yeah. Candy. Parallel to, to Simon Sinek's leaders eat last, but it's focused on, on your industry. No, that's wonderful. Thank you for that recommendation. And I know there will be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are very passionate about um, your industry and are probably really either keen to get more involved or find out how they can support you, which I'll ask about in a moment. Um, Okay, another question. What's a great piece of advice you've received in life or leadership? At some point, somebody gave you a piece of advice and it really has stuck with you for a long time. I got I got to go back to my mom and I, I really think it's maybe not the best leadership advice, <laughs> but uh, it's it's to never put yourself in a situation where you have to rely on somebody and uh i i've had a lot of challenges to that um but it's so ingrained in in my upbringing mm. um and in some ways it's it's good um you know i i feel strongly that um organizations or teams shouldn't be held sort of hostage, uh, for lack of a better word, by an individual. Um, and so I, I like to kind of adapt it to um, make sure that not any one person holds yeah. all of the cards. No, I enjoy polarizing um, opinions, so you're more than welcome to to share that. And no, it's good. I, I think it's uh, the the thing that um, it really rings true for me. I was chatting with someone um, recently, just talking about how um, I guess that perspective, like what you shared, I think it's very true for organizations. If if you're in the CEO role, it's having that awareness as well of of the where you're sort of leveraged as an organization and um, for people who are very passionate about people sometimes you know that's not our natural focus um, not only you know in terms of relationships but also financially which i'm sure is, is meant you know in the in the quote as well from your mom so i think uh, i think yeah it's really interesting yeah thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know i could have gone with something like uh keep it simple stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah always a good one we can always we can always uh <laughs> simplify most good things are, are simple no no that's great thank you for sharing that okay what about a bit of a fun one or you can pick something serious uh what is a movie or tv show that's really influenced you oh boy i'm suddenly not a leadership potato fan um <laughs> let's see i know leadership potato you know it had such a great start <laughs> um you know this feels like kind of cliche but i'm gonna go with red dawn 
the original Red Dawn. Yeah. Back in the eighties. You know what? I've never watched Red Dawn. Uh, really? Yeah. You'll yeah, watch it and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those ones where I've actually had other people recommend it, not on the podcast before. Uh, so I love that it's a it's a recommendation, but I've never watched it. So Red Dawn. Um is that is it a comedy? The original one. The original one. No. No. No, it is um uh Russia invades the United States in the eighties and a bunch of high school kids defend hmm. their town. Ah they okay. like uh, escape into the mountains and somehow <laughs> outsmart an entire army. Yes. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I must have been thinking of something else. Uh, Red Dawn. I haven't seen it, and I'll add it to the list. Thank you. Uh, so good. I've had so many great recommendations. I, I always try to throw that question in because, um, uh, you know, one of my favorites was someone who said, you know, ultimate switch off downtime. They love the Golden Girls. And uh, I, I yeah. just have had so many great recommendations, um, serious oh, and, and fun ones. Okay. So. You want to know what my, like, yes. my, um, I guess, sneaky, dirty pleasure, whatever it is. <laughs> TV show is uh like sixties television game shows. Ah, sixties television game shows. (laughs) They didn't like the technology was terrible. (laughs) Um, super password. Super password. Okay, I haven't I haven't heard of that, but I love the (laughs) the specific niche that's so good or niche as as you say there. Okay, last question yeah. as as we wrap up. This is uh, this has been so much fun. Last question: If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? Um, you are better than you think you are, and you don't know nearly as much as you think you do. Oh, I like that. You're better than you think you are, but you don't know nearly as much as you think you do. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of one of my favorite John Maxwell um, things that that uh, that I've heard him say, which is uh, saying that when you're starting out and in leadership, people will underestimate you. And but I love the second part. He says, but as you as you become more successful and rise through the ranks, and then at some point, you know, maybe you become very successful people will start to overestimate <laughs> uh, your mm. abilities. And and I love that because it's that picture of, hey, when you're young, people are going to underestimate you. And as you, uh, you know, as you actually um, get better and better and, and, you know, that's the challenge then. And I see this, it's a big challenge for a lot of CEOs. When you have a lot of power, you can pick your own feedback. And so one of the big challenges is, hey, people are going to overestimate how good you are. So you actually really need to keep yourself grounded um, as you get older too. So that's, it, it's kind of a similar vein to, uh, to what you were, uh, to your advice there. Yeah. And I, I love that wonderful thought to, to finish the, uh, the episode. Um, I do want to give people the opportunity, like how can people find you online on LinkedIn or Twitter or anything like that? Or, uh, and the other one or Instagram and the other one is how can people support Austin pets alive? If they're, if they, uh, if they're really interested in supporting the work that, uh, that you're doing. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, I personally, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Sarah Aguilar, uh, with Austin Pets Alive and, uh, the organization you can find us on, um, oh gosh, all the platforms. We function as Austin Pets Alive, uh, which is, uh, austinpetsalive.org. Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, I don't think we have a Snapchat, but um, we also have uh, our national arm, which is American Pets Alive. And through that, we uh, spread the work that we're doing and teach shelters across uh, across the globe how to save lives with uh, minimal resources and make an impact in their communities. And again, you can find Austin or American Pets Alive um on linkedin facebook instagram brilliant and then the website is austinpetsalive.org thank you so much uh make sure uh well i, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and if you are really passionate about 
um, animal welfare and, uh, you know, make sure you do check out Austin Pets Alive and American Pets Alive. Um, and don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Sarah, for being uh, such a just such a fun guest. It's been so much fun hanging out and getting to know a bit more of your story. Thank you for sharing vulnerably about uh, your journey, including, uh, like you mentioned, the car crash, which is 100% leadership relevant because of um, what a what a um, what a significant life event for you. Um, so I really appreciated you sharing some of those sort of moments about your life and, uh, and for giving some great wisdom uh, as well. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for creating the space for this. Um, it's been really, really, as you said, it's been fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders, and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively, and that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases, you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. 
And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 